one game and two teams. That is all that is left of the NFL season. Seriously, where did the time go? We took a little bit of time off. We'll talk about that in a second. But welcome to NFL Down Under, the last one. Be, oh, sorry, the second last one, I should say, before our Super Bowl champion is crowned. And we haven't got the full roster. Now, I, I don't know how many pot shots Smithy's going to cop throughout the evening because he's not here. But I've, I was a betting man sitting at home. I would be slamming the over because, Ted, as I introduce you, to put it in NFL injury terms, uh, he was questionable. He was day to day. And then he was a, a DNP. So the great man's not here, but I'm happy you are, mate. How are you? And uh, it's a shame that the great man can't be here. Yeah, we will miss Smithy tonight. Uh, we have tried to get this out a couple of times. We've just had some issues um, while doing so. And unfortunately, Smithy misses out tonight. So um, that's his loss. We've only got, as you said, this episode and one more before the Super Bowl. And um, he's spewing that he can't make it tonight. But hopefully we'll have him uh, for the next one. And we were saying uh, just before we pushed record tonight, mate, that if there's one time a year you don't want to have off, oh boy, Super Bowl week, it's a ballsy time to not be up and about, Smith. I know it's not your fault, mate, out of your control, but I'll tell you what, Tate, if the numbers dominate, uh, do we have the space, the commitment, and perhaps the guts to uh, tell Smith it might be a two-man operation, depending on how this goes? Yeah, he might be uh, demoted to doing my TD segment while I take over his um, <laughs> segment. So that, that'll certainly be something to watch over the offseason. Even with Colin's horrific record in the playoffs, uh, he still beats Smith this year. So that'll come under review in our 360-degree feedback. But let's get into the conference championships. It seemed like so long ago. We'll touch on them briefly. But this is just going to be an update on everything that's kind of going on in the NFL at the moment, and then we kind of wipe the slate clean for a Super Bowl preview that we promise is going to knock some serious socks off. And then, of course, we'll be able to review the Super Bowl. Might take some time, even though we've taken some time here, and then dive into the off-season content. And Smithy, oh, he'll be up and about. But the man that deserves to be up and about at the moment is the great man, Teed. is the only, and I repeat, the only man, NFL or otherwise, that has gone three for three at the moment, because in the Keeping Ourselves Accountable segment, in our points differential, Ted, you've won again. We all got both games right, but you predicted a blowout in the Eagles-Giants, and that came to fruition, a closer game for the Chiefs and the Bengals, and your point differential of 10 eked out Smith's 14 and my 17. So the form is blistering, my friend. Yeah, we all did pretty good last week, and um, I, I was pretty confident the Eagles would get it done pretty easily, but uh, they did that you know, even better than I thought and probably blew out my points differential a little bit, but I'll take what I can get. Um, being on top three weeks in a row is, is a pretty good feeling. Absolutely. Four for four, and now, man, will be doing a victory dance, let me tell you. So, yeah, Smid, I think, who's actually come second every week, and I've gone genuinely shit out, so that's, that's on me. I'll get better. I'll do better. Absolutely. Uh, NFL on Fox are doing their fan awards. I'd love to go through them all, Ted, but we don't have four and a half hours. The one that stood out to me was they had a nomination, uh, sorry, what they call a quad nomination, so a top four. Fans vote on the best one. They bring out a social media engagement post. That's the way that it works. However, for the best game of the regular season, I've got five nominations here. So I want you to pick the best game. And then the game that you think I've added that wasn't originally on their board. So it's twofold, this challenge. Let's go through the games first before I get you to crown the winner. So week two, Baltimore versus Miami. Of course, the amazing comeback, 21 down at three-quarter time were the Finns. Week 10, Buffalo, Minnesota. What an absolute cracker that was. Week 10, Dallas v. Green Bay. Close to your heart, Teed, and for potentially the wrong reasons. Week 11, the Chiefs versus the LA Chargers. And week 15, Minnesota versus Indianapolis. And boy, oh boy, the Colts fans not want us to talk about that game. So let's crown the winner, mate. Have you got a best game of the regular season? Yeah, for me, I think it is the Minnesota Vikings and the Indianapolis Colts, maybe because it is the, the freshest one in my mind, but just... The way Minnesota flicked the switch in the second half and made so many big plays, especially in the fourth quarter, um, you know, it was a game that we'd never seen the like of. Uh, we might not ever see the like of it again, uh, and it was just an incredible game. Just watching that um, unfold as it did, you know, we all expected Minnesota to win that game. They went down big, uh, and then somehow 
um, came over the top of, of Indianapolis and, and it kind of spiralled Indianapolis um, for the rest of their season and, and kind of didn't really do much for Minnesota as they fizzled out towards the end. But just the way that game unfolded was incredible. Uh, and I think that one's game of the season. Hmm. Yep, I like it. I'm totally with you. Uh, just before we get to the second part of this, Buffalo, Minnesota, was that Justin Jefferson's fourth and 18 catch? Was that that game? Yeah, that was, yeah, it was about the same there. Another Minnesota comeback, and that was the, hmm. the one-handed grab by Jefferson. And that, and that didn't come into consideration. That, how good's this regular season been? It's been extraordinary. Okay, is there a game there that maybe stands out as not as great as the others that you think I might have added in there to, to bolster this for the NFL on Fox Awards? Um, I, I don't know if there's one that stands out. I, I remember all of these games. I liked all of them. Maybe the Chiefs and the Chargers was, was one that stood out for me. Maybe the one that doesn't belong there, but I think they all do belong there. So, um, you're going to shock me either way, I think. No, yeah, exactly, because it was our game. They didn't put Week 15 Minnesota and the Colts in their four nominees how? Who decided this? Extraordinary. But I agree with you. I think it was the game of the season, uh, the comeback. Extraordinary. But, I mean, NFL on Fox, whoever's running your social media, it, it, come on, do better. My goodness. All righty. Uh, the AFC game, the Chiefs and the Bengals, may it feels like two millennia ago, to be honest. But um, we all had some reasonable confidence in the Chiefs. We had confidence in the Bengals to keep it close. And fair to say we got this one pretty spot on, as I think did the majority of the public. Yeah, I think a lot of people were leaning towards the Chiefs in this one, knowing how good they are in AFC Championship games in the past and, and just how good Mahomes is in the playoffs um, in general. And he did come into this game hobbled, and, and that was a question hanging over his head and the Chiefs' head all throughout the week. But, you know, there's not too much you can really say about these games that hasn't been said. We've left it, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and it is kind of good to, to go back and, and look at you know, what was happening in this game. And, you know, you kind of forget about some moments during um, the game. But when you go back and look, you can look back on those moments. And just the way Patrick Mahomes was able to, to lead this Chiefs team to victory. I know the Bengals had a couple of opportunities late. They couldn't get it done. But the Chiefs were missing a bunch of wide receivers. They were missing some some good defenders. They got nothing out of their run game. Isaiah Pacheco was their leading Russia 10 carries for 26 yards. In, in fact, both teams didn't get anything from their run games. But just the way, you know, like I said, Patrick Mahomes was hobbling into this game and, um, you know, they, they nothing really went his way, you could say, and he just willed his team to a victory like we've seen him do so many times. Um, you know, the, the one that sticks out to everyone or the one moment is the penalty right at the end of the game. Um you know, it's an unfortunate penalty, but it certainly was a penalty. I didn't, couldn't believe that lots of people thought um, that was a soft call from the refs. They're not going to not call that when it's it's a penalty 100% of the time. Um, you know, you got to feel for the Bengals here that they did have their opportunity late in this game, but they just, they just couldn't get it done. And, you know, a lot of talk about this game being rigged and, and um, a, lot, a lot of calls going against the Bengals just kind of ruins, I guess, what the Chiefs did here just because, um, you know, both teams missed calls in this game. And I think a lot of the time in this game in particular, a lot of people point to the, um, you know, two penalties in particular against the Bengals late in the game. I think one was on, um, I can't remember what it was, but it, it set the other, yeah, the intentional grounding, sorry, where they said someone was, wasn't in the area when it looked like there was, but, you know, it, the Bengals, you know, nullified that the next play with a 20 yard pass. So, uh, not ideal that possibly shouldn't have been a penalty, but you can't look back on that. You know, that happens in every game. And, um, you know, the right team won, I thought, and, and the Chiefs are off to the Super Bowl. Yep, I like it. I think, now, it's not the most disappointing thing he's done in the last couple of weeks, or allegedly done if we don't want to get in trouble. But, geez, Joe Mixon was disappointing in this game. Eight carries for 19 yards, his longest being seven. Three catches for 15 yards was a pretty... Pretty much a non-factor in this game. I think the Bengals were in trouble as soon as Joe Burrow became their biggest rusher. Now, Joe Burrow with his legs, very good player. But when you've got a guy of Mixon's caliber, even uh, Samaji Perrine, I hope I've pronounced that properly, has done good things. Did run in the touchdowns, so no complaints there. But, um, yeah, Joey B, with that offensive line and throwing 41 times in a playoff game, that's got me worried. The fact they got within a field goal and, like you said, um, the game winner. Extraordinary. Uh, not that I want to pump my tires up 
uh, all night, but Smithy's not here to really tear me down for it. But I would just like to say that I'm currently planning my trip to the Caribbean after putting every single bit of money I've got on Mahomes over 281 and a half passing yards. Not sure if many people caught that when they listened back, but 326 yards and two touchdowns. Tick, tick for Dazzling, and I said they'd win it on a game-winning field goal. Does it still count, Teed, because they had a lateral afterwards? Are we still counting that? Yeah, that's a game-winner. Bang. Beautiful. Two for two, Dazzling style. Yeah, I think the Chiefs, uh, they kind of, for me, I think this game is, well, this probably spoils my early thoughts, so I won't get yours in the preview. There's still going to be plenty of information to come, but this feels to me like the the bigger challenge, I feel. I think if the Chiefs are to win the Super Bowl, I think they're going to do it, not with ease, but I think it's going to be a lot looser game than this one. There might be some nerves early, but in the in the world that I see the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, it's going to be a much more Chiefs-dominated game than this one, regardless of what the scoreboard is. That's my take anyway. But the Bengals, I mean, geez, they're a good side. And um, Zach Taylor, we've spoken about him often comically on this show, Teed, especially at your uh, expense for something that you said now what seems like months ago. Uh, probably was months ago, actually. But uh, his quote after the game that he would, uh, and I want your thoughts on this as well in terms of leadership, that he would rather resign than blame a single player, a single play, or a single throw on the reason they're not moving forward. We know that even if we're a percent off the best in the league, we don't deserve to hold the trophy. We'll be back here next year. Don't you worry about that. Your thoughts on that as a leader and as a coach? Yeah, that's that's what you want from your coach. And I've been critical of him and um, and the way he coaches in the past, but you know, he certainly um, you know proved it to me that he, that he belongs in the NFL and he is a good coach. And that's what you expect from your coach to stick up for your players. And uh, you know, you can't base the result of a game um, on, on one play whether it is for or against your team. And uh, I think if you look back at a couple of plays before that uh, play in question, the penalty, um, that same player, I can't I can't remember his name, or I just can't um, pronounce it, but he did uh, make two big plays before that. And, you know, without them two big plays, who knows what could have happened anyway. So um, great leadership from him. Um, and I think he's just earned a few admirers from that. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to take some questions. I'm not going to play the roulette sound. This is my gift to you, Smithy. The only time you're not getting thrown under the bus here. I did cheat for the first one. So we're going to do this kind of in two parts because we had the break. So we've got some conference championship relevant questions from those times. We'll catch you up on some news. We'll talk about the other uh, conference championship game. We'll move towards the now. It'll come together beautifully. So the first one's via Twitter. Hence why I said I cheated. But if you had to put some money on it, Teed, uh, who starts for the Niners in the quarterback position in week one next year? This um, is a really tricky question because, mm. I mean, you kind of had three options throughout this year. It was Purdy, Lance, and, and Garoppolo. Garoppolo won't be back, so uh, a lot of people um, maybe thought Tom Brady was a chance. He's obviously announced his retirement, which we might touch on later. Um you know, it, it is, I think, after what Brock Purdy did this year and the success he had, um, and we saw what the 49ers looked like um, without him in that championship game, I think they, they've got to stick with him. Um, you know, Trey Lance hasn't shown. Uh, I mean, it, we haven't seen really anything from Trey Lance. We, we've, I think he started four games or something like that, four games, and only played in five or six. Um, it might be a little more than that, but, you know, we've seen a lot more from Purdy and we know what we can expect. And, and if they go into the offseason with him as their starter, he's only going to get better, I think. And um, if they're looking to trade one of them, you're certainly going to get more for Trey Lance than you are for Brock Purdy, in my opinion. So they just have to, to kind of pick their guy um, and get what they can for the other guy. I think Brock Purdy's the option unless, you know, they want to bring someone in. I'm not going to predict that they do because... Uh, it's just too hard to predict, but I think they stick with Brock Purdy. They get rid of Trey Lance for, I don't, I don't know what they'd even get for him. That It'd certainly be at least a first-round pick, um, and then you just bring in a veteran maybe behind Brock Purdy to back him up. But, mm. yeah, it is it is a tough, tough question. I had the exact same thought. So I genuinely believe there's a world where Garoppolo and Trey Lance are not on this roster. If 
the Niners are confident that Purdy's going to be right for camp. I, I think having a guy who's come off this momentous run, it was genuinely incredible. Injury setback is a lot different to being on the sideline, being fit and ready for your turn. Obviously, he didn't know it would be his turn. Um, I think Garoppolo could be on the move. I think Lance to the Jets makes a hell of a lot of sense if because they're obviously not going to land um, Brady. I know they're going to be in the Aaron Rodgers uh, trade talks as well. So they've got options there. That's absolutely fine. But I can imagine that Purdy is their starter and they grab a Minshew Bridgewater, like you said, a guy with experience in this league to back him up. And we'll see how we go. Because his injury was... Uh, a contact injury. Is that right? Am I thinking correctly? It was when he got yeah, hit on the, got forearm, hit on the arm, um, yeah. throwing the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not, you know, any indication that that's going to happen again is going to be increasingly unlikely. So I reckon that's the option. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, more a question for Smithy to answer, considering he's the guru, but I'll float it your way anyway. Uh, which team's off season creates the best talking points, do you reckon? Which team are we going to talk about the most in our off season content? Uh, there's a few of them, but I think the easy option is just to, to lean towards the Chicago Bears. They hold the number one pick. There's already been plenty of talk about um, trading Justin Fields, not trading Justin Fields, drafting a quarterback, not drafting a quarterback, trading back, not trading back. So already before the season's technically finished, there's been plenty of talk around the Bears and, and there's only going to get more um, as the offseason goes on. So I'll go with the Bears. Yeah, I, I agree with the Bears, but I'll, I'll float my backup option. I've already mentioned them this episode. I think the Jets, if they – the weird thing about the Jets is they're going to be talked about the, the longer they don't make a QB decision. Even if they do land Aaron Rodgers, which would be fantastic for the organization, at least, I think. Once they do make that decision, there'll be a, a day of reaction, and then we'll kind of forget about them until we, until we see players actually coming back, even if it is. Um, Rogers, whereas the longer that we're waiting and waiting and waiting, the more intriguing they are. And I think that's kind of the same scenario uh, as the Bears. There was a uh, a Bears fan page, whoever authentic that is, that says that the Bears have told Justin Fields that he won't be traded. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out. But yeah, the Bears are mine as well. Uh, after the hashtag sack the refs went viral, not only in the US, but was a global trending topic throughout the final quarter and the hour after the game. Teed, what accountability system, if there is one that is required, do the NFL refs need, or was it all an overreaction from the conference championship games? You've had some time to think about it. Where do you stand? Yeah, I um, I don't think it's, it's necessary to have one, and it's too hard to have one. And, and I'm, a, I'm one that, that will never blame the refs for anything no matter if it's a poor decision, I mean, they can obviously be criticised. Um, but if it is the wrong decision, they usually do come out during the week and say they're wrong. Um, sometimes they don't, which is a bit of an issue. But there isn't really um, any sort of system that's that's going to keep them accountable. The bad calls are going to get called, and that's just it's, it goes down to human error. And you know, the players are making mistakes on the field, and, and you can't not expect the umpires to also not make. A few mistakes here and there. I'll I'll never you know never wonder bash a ref um, at all. But you know certainly they they copped it this week. Yeah, they really really did. I completely agree with you, and um, I I think what they took from this is look at the NBA. So I don't know. Uh, I know your Mavericks just traded for Kyrie Irving, Teed, but the NBA Referees Association after the ending to the Boston and Lakers game where LeBron James was fouled by Jason Tatum, after he traveled, no one brings that up, but we'll just call that little anger pop by Dazzling at the moment, uh, came out on Twitter and said that this missed decision is going to haunt, I don't know whether this is satirical, sarcasm, or genuine, uh, is going to cause sleepless nights, and we vow to be the best NBA referees and basketball referees in the world. Now, as great as that sounds on paper, as a half-apology, how many incorrect decisions do you apologize for once you get to one? I agree with you. Human error, move on. Best way to do it. Beautiful. This is going to piss off some traditionalists because we aren't of the age of a lot of NFL media, especially in the 24-7 space. But in you've watched NFL the longest on this podcast, Heed. Where does Mahomes rank amongst the best quarterbacks you've seen? As close to a specific number, if you can, please. Yeah, this one's an easy one for me because it's number one. Um, 
you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback that I've seen play the sport uh, and the way that he's come in just from the get-go and done it his whole career. It's not like he's, he's had patches of up and down throughout his career. He's just been great ever since he stepped into the league. Um, you know, there'll be a lot of people that want to disagree and say that he's not number one. And, and I don't know who knows. A lot of the argument will be, oh, it's too early to say that he's number one. But you, how long do you wait until you you decide that this guy's the best that you've seen? And Mahomes, for me, is the best. Um, you know, and that is an easy decision for me. Yeah, I love that. Uh, to me, the NFL, and some of this is media-inspired, uh, some of it is mine. If you think it's silly, Tate, I'll own up to it. I won't blame anyone else. But to me, Brady's like Jordan with the accomplishments. He's probably the GOAT. He probably is. Um, the accomplishments matter. They absolutely do. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is a lot like LeBron. Didn't and hasn't won nearly as many championships or, well, in this case, Super Bowls or MVPs as he probably should have. Uh, for better or worse, that's just a fact. And to me, Mahomes is Steph Curry. It, even if he's destroying your team, the things that he does makes you laugh. And if you don't laugh, you'll cry be, just because of how magical he is on a field. It is extraordinary to watch. Steph is the most entertaining player I've seen on a basketball court. Mahomes is the most entertaining player I've seen on a football field. And I think, unlike Steph... By the time Mahomes retires, he is going to be the big challenger, in my opinion. So as of so far, I would probably rank Mahomes one. And part of that is the eye test. I wouldn't have Steph as the best, though. But did that analogy make sense, or am I talking out of my ass here? Yeah, it certainly did. Um, you know, when you think about the greatest quarterback of all time, and that's something no one's ever going to agree on. Uh, no one's ever going to agree on. A lot of people will say Brady, and fair enough, he, he's got all the those rings and and Technically, he is the greatest of all time. But just when you when you watch players, um, and I don't want to sit here and say that I've never seen Tom Brady do what Patrick Mahomes does, but just when you look at, at the play, if you took the the name off the back of the jersey and there was just, I, I guess, two players that looked identical, um, which one do you think better? It, it is Mahomes for me, and and you're exactly right with with Rogers as well. I'll take Rogers over Brady too. Um, but yeah, it it, it is. You know, it's one thing that's probably going to get a lot of people pissed off uh, listening to this. But, um, yeah, you're never going to agree with, with um, greatest of all time takes. And that's that's something that, that we all love about sports. Absolutely. And if our time spent listening stops at about 23 minutes, we'll understand why. Uh, have the? Do you think the? we'll talk about the Eagles and that'll lead us in, you know, just that classic podcasting craft that I'm known for. Uh, do you think the Eagles have gone ridiculously under the radar here, given the refs controversy, given the Chiefs controversy, given that we've had the week off before the Super Bowl and so much has happened in between that we'll touch on later? Do you think there is a part of the NFL world that has kind of forgotten that the Eagles are there? Because for me personally, it is a resounding yes. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, and, and it's kind of funny that they're favoured going to the game because just everything um, apart from that just feels like they they are the underdog, I guess. And um, even the way they've they've made it, they beat the Eagles, they they beat up on the uh, sorry not the Eagles, they beat up on the Giants, um, and then the way they beat the 49ers in that championship game as well. Um, obviously, 49ers will talk on it, you know, probably in a minute, but they went that game or most of the game without a quarterback who could throw the ball. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are just kind of not giving them the credit they deserve for, for making the Super Bowl. Um, and I, I guess they, they kind of do have that underdog mentality or they can go into the game with that underdog mentality because I certainly do agree that they are going under the radar compared to the Chiefs. Yeah, bloody oath. But it's a beautiful way for us to segment, segue segment. Jeez, I, I screwed it. It was that good of a setup. I had to fumble it at the end. But the Eagles and the Niners, the Niners came back down to earth with a resounding 31-7 to loss. But this is all about Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Their roster is outstanding. They had four rushing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts is 121 passing yards uh, since records were taken. I think is only the seventh time that a team has won their way into the Super Bowl with less than 200 passing yards. I don't know where it stands all time. I might find it out while I get your uh, expertise on this game, mate. But Miles Sanders, outstanding, and they didn't have a massive passing game, like I said. But Devontae Smith's 
29-yard catch for mine was a big moment in this game, and this was a, an extremely good win. Yeah, it was a great win, and, and that moment was a huge moment because you know you could say catch, but you know he, he really didn't catch it, and the fact that you know he got up and, and quickly told his players to huddle up to, and run to the ball to, to get a playoff should have sent alarm bells to Kyle Shanahan and, and the coaching <laughs> staff to to kind of say, oh, hang on, we should have another look at that. And I thought straight away that he didn't catch it just the way um, that the ball was thrown. It was over the top. It was an extremely hard catch, and he did a great effort. You can't take anything away from him. It was a catch on the on the stat sheet, so I'm going to judge it as a catch. Um, and, and that's, I guess, why the Eagles drafted Devontae Smith. And you can say all you like about um, drafting receivers high and whatever, but you know quarterbacks aren't going to be accurate a hundred percent of the time. That is a great um, example um, of you know a good wide receiver making a play when the throw is off. I guess a little bit. It was a great play by Jalen Hurts. Don't get me wrong, but um, that was a big moment in this game, and, and I guess a lot of 49ers fans are being salty about it and, and saying that was the reason they lost. It certainly wasn't. Um, they they were just outplayed in this game, and you know, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if, if Brock Purdy didn't get injured on that play or if you take that play out of the game because I'm pretty sure, um, well, I mean, I'm sure that he got injured on that play. But, you know, from there it was, you know, you could just tell that it was over. Joe Johnson came in, um, it, if that even is his name, it's Joe or John or, or something like that. But just the way that he came in, no one expected him to be able to lead the offense like Purdy had been doing so far and, and a lot of people had come out and said this is a quarterback friendly offense and you can put whatever quarterback you like in there that was proven not to be the case um in this one and you, know, you look at the score 31 to 7 you think blow out the whole way but it was 7 to 7 i think with less than two minutes left in the first half and a quick touchdown by the eagles followed up by um a fumble and then another touchdown kind of sealed the game they were the better team from start to finish and, and like i said that injury to purdy um, was, well, I mean, I don't want to say was the reason why the 49ers lost, but it certainly was a reason why they weren't competitive in this game. It kind of took all the big playmakers out of this game. It took George Kittle out of the game. It took Debo Samuel out of the game to a degree. I know they could still use him in the run game, but when you expect the run, um, it's not going to work. And he did finish the game with negative nine rushing yards on six carries. Um, so not his finest day running the ball. Um, you know, it obviously took Brandon Ayuk out of the game, who's been their best receiver so far throughout the whole um, season. I thought uh, they could still use Christian McCaffrey, and they did, and he did have that long touchdown run in the first quarter, or the first half at least, but they just couldn't get anything going, and, and credit goes to the Eagles, who just didn't have to lean on Jalen Hurts in this game. They leaned on the run. Um, their run game, it, it was good without being great, uh, they did rush for four touchdowns. You know, Miles Sanders earned himself a nice little payday in the offseason. I think no matter if he stays with the Eagles or or goes somewhere else, he's going to earn a lot of money. But, yeah, the, the Eagles were, were better from start to finish. And, um, you know, I don't think there was a single team in the NFC that would have beaten them. I would have loved to have seen my Cowboys go up against them for the third time this season. I think that's something um, that every NFL fan would have liked to see in, you know, the back of their head. But, no one can predict injuries uh, and no one could have predicted that this was going to happen uh, in this game. And it just, that was the reason why the 49ers got blown out in this game. And it's unfortunate for them, but um, you know, they've been so close over the last five years or so. Uh, it's going to sting if they can't win one in the next couple of years, because they've had every opportunity in the world to get there. They got there once um, they lost that, but they're just so desperate to get back and, and, you know, on the Eagles, it is hard to watch as a Cowboys fan because they did win it back in 2017. And um, they just about rebuilt that entire roster and made a new one and got back there again within five years while the Cowboys have just sat there and done nothing. So as a Cowboys fan, it's hard to see. But, um, you know, if I take that away, the Eagles have been an extremely well-run organization um, and a lot of credit should go to Howie Roseman, who's been um, incredible and really done it without taking too many risks. You know, if you're trading away your first-round pick for um, A.J. Brown, you know what you're getting. It's not taking a big risk, and he has been a big part of their offense this year. So a lot of credit goes to the Eagles for winning this game and for having such a great season. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I honestly could not agree more. I think you've summed that up beautifully. Um, just before my last point, I have found those numbers. So the Philadelphia Eagles 121 passing yards in this game is the second lowest for a winning NF. Uh, sorry, for a winning conference championship playoff game this century. Only topped by actually their opponents, but in 2020, in the COVID year, they played Green Bay 137 to 20. Teed only had eight passing attempts for 77 yards, but a passer rating, yeah, but a passer rating from Jimmy G. I think that would have been, wouldn't it, with 104.7. Yeah, I think that was Jimmy G, and I'm pretty sure he might have had a thumb injury or something in that game. Um, but yeah, that's it's incredible when you you look at teams having success like that not being able to pass the ball. Um, I know that situation was a little different to this one here with the Eagles. They they didn't necessarily have to throw the ball, um, but it just goes to show you how good they played. Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, my favourite one more here. So the, the record for the least amount of passing yards in a playoff win this century, do you, do you want to have a crack at either who it was or how many yards? Um, AFC team. I'll give you that hint. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I, it's probably someone from, oh, you said this century. I was going to say. shows how much <laughs> I'm listening. Um, <laughs> sticking to my guns. But no, go and hit me. So were you watching, because it's either since 2010 or 10 years. Did, were you watching the NFL in 2010? I would have been, yes. Yeah. So the Ravens versus the Patriots. The AFC wildcard game, the Ravens won 33-14. to 14. They had 10 passing attempts, completed four of them for 34 yards. Wow. With a passer rating of 10, and they still won by that much. That's, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, that's I'm pretty ridiculous. sure that's Tom, Tom Brady's biggest playoff loss, if I can remember. He was playing that season. Um, extraordinary. <laughs> yeah, that is. I'd love to go back and have a look at how that happened. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I completely have answered the previous question. I just made the Eagles eternally underrated by going through those numbers. But I will say this. Uh, I know Gino was the comeback player of the year. If there was an award, and and I know this might sound silly, for players that I am so happy took that next step, Jalen Hurts would be front of mind. For mind, I remember two shows in particular that said that it was this year or he was done. And whether that was an overreaction or not, he has proved them wrong and some an MVP caliber player this season. And for the Eagles, let's hope that continues when he comes off his uh, rookie deal, Teed. The Eagles are going to have, well, they're going to have to get their checkbook out, aren't they? Yeah, he's certainly um, earned his money, whatever money he's going to get. I'm sure he's going to get paid a lot. And you know, it, it is you know, a really good story because coming into the league, I, th- I think he was a second round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles when they had Carson Wentz. Um, when, when he was considered a good quarterback, <laughs> drive by on Carson Wentz, but um, <laughs> Cop that, yeah, Carson. a lot of people were, um, you know, staggered when they took him in the second round. I'm pretty sure it was. And they kind of just said, you know, this is a guy that worked in college. I don't think it works in the NFL the way the Eagles are hoping um, and, you know, obviously a different coaching staff now to the ones that drafted him. But, you know, he's just done extremely well. And even going back to last year, there was lots of questions over him and can he push the Eagles to the next level? And, and you know, I think if you go back and have a look at the interview that he had after their playoff loss last year um, and listen to what he said, he knew what he was capable of and, and what he could do. And he's proved it this year and he's proved me wrong. I, I did say, I don't know when I said it, but I, I certainly said his his arm hasn't been good enough at the NFL level so far, and he's proved me wrong. So, um, you know, as much as I hate being proved wrong, I am happy that he did prove me wrong and, you know, happy for him. He certainly deserves to be in MVP conversation this year, and he is, as you said, an MVP caliber player, so he deserves all the credit in the world and, um, and also all the money. Yep, bloody oath. Alrighty, let's go through some news, a few more questions, and then we'll get out of here because, of course, we want the great man Smid in for the Super Bowl preview and to probably reply to a couple of the drive-bys that he's copped. But, Smid, uh, you know the rules, mate. You're not here. You cop it. That's how it works. So let's get to some news, mate. The NFL sets the salary cap to a record $224.5 million per franchise in the biggest boost, of course, since COVID hit. So it's fair to say that football is well and truly 
back on track with such a bigger tag. Do you think that incentivizes players to earn more money at their franchise or does the bidding war just become bigger and bigger and you think more players might leave if they're getting higher coin? Where do you stand on the new collective bargaining agreement? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it is a, a tough one because the salary cap goes up. So players just assume their playing group gets paid more and, and you'd assume each team would have more money to spend um, you know, when it kind of, it just works out that they're paying their position players more and, and it is a funny cycle of how that happens in the NFL. And, um, you know, I'm sure the next quarterback to, to be signed on a, on a long-term deal is going to break the record there and, and reset the market again. Um, but, I, you know, it works both ways. You know, players are going to want to stay at their, that their own, you know, franchise. But, you know, if, if they're after money, you leave, um, you know, you're going to get paid as long as you, you can produce. You know, we've seen it in the past. Christian Kirk um, last year, he, he, I mean, he copped a lot of flack undeservingly because he, he can only um, accept the, coffer, uh, the the offer he's being, um, you know, offered. But mm-hmm. he, he was relatively unproven, I guess, um, before that. And he's proved it this year that, you know, he, he can, you know, perform the way that they're paying him to perform. Um and he tested free agency. So if players are going to go, want to go out and test free agency, they're going to get paid. Um, and, and the way that contracts are structured now and the front office work, they can move money around, you know, re-sign players to, to longer deals and shorten the cap hits and things like that. The, the, the cap guys are pretty good these days to work their way around certain things. And, um, you know, I don't think it really matters too much. Players are going to stay and players are going to leave, and we're going to see some, I think, record-breaking contracts in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think all the Ravens fans that have stuck around are screaming, yes, Lamar, break all the records. We don't care. Keep him there. And I can't say that I disagree. My goodness. Uh, Tom Brady announces his retirement, seemingly for real this time, uh, telling Colin Cowherd and Fox Sports uh, FS1 Radio that he will begin as a broadcaster in Fox in the spring. That's Australia time, fall or autumn. Uh, in the US. I mean, we did a, a big spiel last year about how great he's been teed. And uh, let's be honest, you don't get that twice. I don't care how good you are. But do you believe the retirement? Is it real? What do you think you'll bring as a broadcaster? Because Tony Romo has gotten into a bit of trouble this year. Yeah. Um, even Tom Brady agreed that he, he kind of saw how silly it was that he came out of retirement and he understands that um, all the, the lovely roses that he received the first time around, he's not getting again. Um, you know, we've already kind of um, set our thoughts on Tom Brady you know, last off-season uh, about the impact he's had on the game and, and things like that. It's a bit odd, odd he's telling Colin Coward these things. Um, you know, you, you'd think you'd maybe tell someone a little higher up than Colin Coward, but fair enough. They're going to be um, partners, mate. They're going to be working together. I would not be shocked oh, if he be if oh, no, I would not be shocked if he becomes the uh, the Sean Payton on the herd next year. So Sean Payton would do twelve minutes with Colin. I think every Thursday morning, like our time, when they would go up on YouTube, those little segmented clips. So every Wednesday morning in America, I would not be surprised. If uh, if Tom pops in for twelve minutes or so, and uh, geez, won't that be riveting conversation? Yeah, you, you just imagine, and and he's already shown. Um, I think he's in his podcast. He's had one episode when, um, after he announced his retirement, he had his mum and his dad on there, and Rob Gronkowski and um, Patrick Mahomes and Bill Belichick. So you know, he, he certainly, um, I, I guess, maybe is accustomed to to the media, and only time will tell how well he goes. Um, with that role, but you know, with someone with his level of knowledge about the game and um, the way he can view the game, it, it will only be good for Fox, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think his biggest problem, and it, it might end up not being a problem at all, but, I mean, you can't doubt his knowledge of the game. He's certainly got the resume to talk about the game. I mean, to think not would be ridiculous. And if his articulation is good enough, he's going to become the best former player broadcaster in the game. He's just going to be that good. Um, there, is, there is the professional jealousy part of me that hope that he stinks because you just can't be that good at everything, T. I mean, come on. No, and surely, especially surely when um, when reportedly you're going to be earning more money from a TV deal than you did in your entire time in the NFL. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, not sure he's missing Giselle's money at the moment. A great man. I think he's picked up a nice little paycheck for himself. But uh, Smithy's not here tonight, so this is going to become a bit less emotional, mate. But Frank Reich announced as the Panthers head coach. We'll talk about their new coordinator in a tick because I'll run through the list. But Smith was over the moon. And I've got to say, I think they've made a really good hire here, the Panthers. And, um, yeah, the, the fun is coming back to Carolina, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And Frank Reich is going to hope that they can get their quarterback of the future in this draft, or at least in this offseason. I think they'll be targeting the draft, but only time will tell. And um, we've seen him paired with, with Carson Wentz. I mean, we kind of touched on how Carson Wentz has fizzled out um, in that time, but I'm pretty sure he was involved with the Eagles when Carson Wentz uh, was was playing as good as an MVP. And maybe it certainly was there. That I think that was the same season that they won the Super Bowl. So he certainly can work his way around a quarterback and, and get some you know, success and good form out of them. So if they can pair him with a nice young quarterback, that's a great result. What what they don't want to do is they don't want to go and retread. If they can, you know, imagine the Panthers go and Frank Reich really liked Matt Ryan that much that he got Matt Ryan to come down to Carolina. I think Smithy would spit the dummy and might, um, and might jump on the Cowboys bandwagon with me, which would be nice. But, um, yeah, I think they really need to target that young quarterback of the draft, and um, that, that'll be um, something Smithy will have his eye on all off-season, and, and I'm sure he'll tell you about it uh, in the next few episodes. Absolutely. I'm still telling I, I am Call me a 14-year-old girl at the moment. I am manifesting Derek Carr in a Panthers jersey for one reason and one reason alone, and it's just to see Smithy snap. It's the great man. He doesn't have Wi-Fi at the moment. He's moved in with his beautiful partner. He's on the probably the best journey of his life. And he's just sitting in a house without a without the TV that he wants because that shop didn't have it. He, they need the Wi-Fi installed. They can't get it for another couple of days. I, I genuinely think the shitstorm trifecta is going to hit this man and Derek Carr is going to be their starting quarterback. And I worry about him. So... You can't go to America next year, Tate. I might need you for the entirety of next year. <laughs> yeah, and um, and kind of selfishly, I, I would be really nice if his internet just didn't work for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden, um, you know, somehow the internet worked for him the day that the, the Panthers signed Matt Ryan to a, to a big extension um, and his internet turns on to about 30 notifications. Uh, and in what what would have been a really good moment for him finally having internet would just turn into possibly the worst day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two years, 44 million or something like that. And just, yeah, I'd probably just pack up the or another scenario, which should um, get him going even more. If they were to trade for one of his favorite young quarterbacks in the league in Mac Jones, Mac Jones, <laughs> who just quietly, I think, um, now, I've been told throughout the week that I think Smithy's issue with Mac Jones is he can hit such a clean, gritty, uh, and there's a little bit of jealousy there. <laughs> oh, boy. There's there's only like three quarterbacks that are acceptable to start for the Panthers, and two of them haven't been drafted yet. That's where he's at now, man. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Sean Payton has been announced as the Broncos head coach. I believe one of us locked that, Teed. I can't remember who it was. Well, it wasn't me, so we'll leave it at that. Oh, wait. No, that's right. Dazzling again, just dominating. He, uh, mate, I can't host, produce, run the sounds, and get all the takes right. I mean, come on. Smid, lift, big fella. Teed's winning the points differential. I'm getting all the takes right. I'm telling you, Ted, we might be looking at a vacancy in the offseason now, man. It's, we're unrestricted free agents, and we might be having a little look around. But anyway, cost the Broncos a first and a future second-round pick. They get back Peyton and a future third. Uh, this is the first sport I've been associated with. We have to trade picks for coaches. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of it, but is it true, Ted, that it's because he was under contract? Is that how that works? Yeah, that's okay. that's exactly how it is, and that I'm pretty sense. sure there's one similar. Uh, John Gruden back in the day was traded mm. to the Buccaneers, um, and they won the Super Bowl the year after. But I'm pretty sure they got a lot more um, than the Saints did for Sean Payton. So, where do you stand on the on the hall? Because we always do who won that trade. As far as I'm concerned, unless they think that pick, and I think Denver's first round pick is like. 10th something is that right i'm gonna lose i uh, wouldn't be far off 
Yeah, so okay, we'll say tenth, right? So tenth, the future second next year could be anywhere from obviously thirty-two to sixty-four. So pick ten, high pick. I genuinely understand that. But am I taking a gamble on a kid versus getting the coach right? Because I feel like getting the coach right and getting a decent draft anyway with what you've got is worth it to me. Do you think people are underreacting, overreacting? I think it's a great deal for the Broncos. Of course, it needs to work. But before we see it out on the park, if if Sean Payton can't get the best out of this squad, are there many that can? Yeah, well, Sean Payton made Drew Brees look a lot better than he actually was for a lot longer um, than he probably should have, which is a really good endorsement um, if lots of people think that uh, Russell Wilson seems to have fallen off a cliff. But just quickly, I, I have looked up that John Gruden trade. He was mm-hmm. traded from Oakland uh, or the Oakland Raiders back then to the Buccaneers in exchange for two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Oh. So, uh, yeah, the Saints, uh, they got fleeced in that one if, if we're basing it off <laughs> previous coaching trades. And the first one worked beautifully. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it really is – it does come down to if it works or not. Um, you know, you can say that it was a good haul or a bad haul or anything in between, but if the Broncos go out and stink it up again, it, it certainly is a bad idea and, and you know, could possibly have, have just ruined this entire team's next five to ten years just with the lack of draft picks and, and a lot of capital that's gone into Russell Wilson, who assumingly wouldn't have worked if the Sean Payton thing hasn't worked, but also obviously Sean Payton. But in my opinion, I do see this working Um and if he is the guy that, that's going to bring relevance to to this Broncos franchise, once again, you know, a first-round pick isn't too much to give up. Um, so I'm in favour of that. Yeah. Um, if I've got the quarterback, I'm trading a top-10 pick for a coach any day. I, th- I think uh, what would be the, the stop for you? So let's say it's just one pick. You're giving up one pick and that's it. What's the best pick you'd give up for – a coach of his caliber. So a Super Bowl winning coach, are you giving up the number four pick if, if you've got the quarterback? Yeah, it certainly depends on what your roster looks like. But if you've got mm. the, the Broncos roster, I, I think it's it's anything but, you know, maybe the first pick. You just have to, if you've got the roster, which I think we all think that they do, um, or they're not far off anyway, you just have to give up what you've got. And, um, you know, I'd be comfortable with giving up just about anything to get that guy if you are 100% sold on him uh, and if you've got the roster too. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, D'Amico Ryans, hope I pronounce that properly, the former Niners defensive coordinator has been announced as the Texans head coach, so a massive congratulations to him. Before we get to that, mate, it's a Vegas bookmaker has gone semi-viral for having a week-long market on whether he's going to make his first season. That kind of sums up the Texans at the moment. Yeah, pretty stiff. Um uh, but, I mean, fair enough because they have sacked their last two coaches after one season. So, um, you know, certainly fair enough. And it would be nice to see the odds on that. But I thought he would stay at San Francisco another year. He's obviously only been uh, the def- defensive coordinator once. Oh, I mean, for one season there, uh, I thought maybe the best thing for him is, is to stay in Fran- San Francisco and see maybe what comes up next off season. I'm not too sure the Texans are the best spot for him considering – you know, their last two seasons, they have fired two black head coaches. Um, you can't really ignore that. And if you're going to look at it like that, maybe you come in and say he is a lot younger. Um, so maybe, you know, if you can say they're looking at youth and you know they can see him being the future coach, maybe that's why he was happy to stay on. And, and I think a lot has been made. What is he signed a six-year deal or something like that? Um, and a lot of people have been reacting to that. I think that is irrelevant because they did sign Lovey Smith on a multi-year deal. And um, I can't remember the coach before that, but he was also on a multi-year deal as well. So, um, you know, it, it really, I just hope it works out for him. He is a former Texan, one of the Texans' great players of the past. Uh, and I think if, if, you know, he's going to get through the first season, I think we all expect. But, um, you know, I'm just excited for him. Uh, it is a good hire, but I, I thought questionable from his standpoint. I thought uh, maybe if he stayed in San Francisco, which is a very suitable position. Uh, there might be a few better openings next year, but, you know, if he thinks this is the best way to go for him, you know, who am I to tell him that that's wrong? So, um, you know, good for him, and, you know, we'll all be cheering for him next year. So for the 19 seasons from the Texans' inception to COVID, they had four coaches. Since then, 
They've had five. This will be their fifth. The Texans, that's how bad it's gotten. So Bill O'Brien, Romeo Cronell, David Cully, Lovey Smith, and now Ryans. That's all since 2020. My goodness me. All righty, let's get into some quick coordinator changes. Kellen Moore joins the Chargers as the offensive coordinator. Ted, you're a Cowboys man. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, you know, not thrilled to see Kellen Moore go, but I think it's a great hire for the Chargers. You know, say what you will about Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott, but he has got a lot out of Dak Prescott over the last three years or so. Um, you know, joining the Chargers, the Cowboys offense under Callan Moore, um, you know, did involve a lot of the run. The Chargers um, run game has struggled, so that might be a bit of an issue. But getting Callan Moore also opens the door for, you know, possibly maybe bringing in Tony Pollard or even Dalton Schultz um, across from Dallas to the Chargers. So they're two guys to look out for, I think. Um, but I think this is really good for Justin Herbert uh, and the Chargers offense is just going to get even better. Yep. I like it. Vic Fangio becomes the highest paid coordinator in NFL history, joining the Finns. Now, let's be honest. I, from an outsider perspective, led the charge for Josh Boyer joining the Centrelink unemployment queue, uh, and it happened. So I am a massive fan of this to turn around a defense that in the last three seasons went top six, top 10, bottom eight. Overall, so a change was needed, Ted. A change has been assigned. I love it, but give me the unbiased take. No, I love it as well. Um, you're pairing Vic Fangio back up with Bradley Chubb, um, and Vic Fangio has had good defenses in the past. It didn't work out in Denver um, as a head coach, I guess, but you have to take that out of it and kind of see that Denver team did have good defenses, whether it was him or the DC in Denver at the time. Um, their defense is really strong. The Dolphins have the pieces. They just couldn't get it together last year. They did under Brian Flores the seasons before that. Um, I'm not saying Vic Fangio is Brian Flores or anything like that, but Vic Fangio knows what he's doing, um, and I think he's going to get a lot out of this Dolphins defense. So uh, I think you've got every right to be happy, Daz. Love that. And just a quick thing about the Dolphins. The I was reading this on Twitter. So again, sometimes Twitter stats can be unreliable. The Dolphins are the first team since 2002. I don't know what who the team was in 2002, so don't shoot me there. To have no running backs under contract going into a Super Bowl that took more than 10 snaps in a season. So the Dolphins had five. None of them are signed for next year. So there you go. Um, you spoke about Brian Flores before. He's joined the Minnesota Vikings as defensive coordinator, another playoff team that needs help on the defensive end. And regardless of what you think as Flores as a head coach, his record as a coordinator, Teed, is extraordinary. Yep, that's that's right. And a good head coach as well. I, I think a lot of people will forget he did really well with the Dolphins until he was you know, unjustifiably you know, forced out of Miami. Um, you know, I like the hire as well. The Vikings do have a lot of talent on that defense. They have been under underwhelming the last couple of years. It's been, you know, pretty frustrating for Vikings fans. Even for me, I, I, I do like the pieces they have. They just can't seem to get it together, and it really showed towards the back end of this season, especially in that playoff game against the Giants. Um, you know, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop anything. So Brian Flores goes there. He's, he's probably going to be able to bring a few pieces over um, you know, staff-wise and, you know, player-wise. And I think he, you know, you said we've seen what he can do as a coordinator in the past. He's going to get something out of that Vikings defense. And I think they certainly improve. Who knows how good um, they are next year. But I think there's no way they, they get any worse than this year. I think they're, they're going up um, next season. And I think they'll, I'm not going to say they're going to be a great defense or anything. It's too early to tell. Um, that, but, you know, Flores, you know, great coordinator. I think this is going to be really good defense next year. Yeah, I like it. Ryan Nielsen, formerly of the Saints, joins Atlanta as their defensive coordinator. And this quote stuck out to me. Um, My philosophy as a defensive coordinator is to attack and go on the offensive. Uh, Justified, Ted? Is he just looking at the wrong side of the ball? Should the Falcons be worried? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. A little odd, that quote, but it's the right move. The Falcons, you know, they're another team that's got talent on the defensive side, not as much as as the Dolphins or the Vikings, but uh, they certainly do have pieces there. He, I think, will be able to bring over, you know, a a couple of players, maybe a big-name free agent on the defensive line. 
Um, you know, we've seen New Orleans the last couple of years have had a good defense. You have to kind of, you know, it has been him as the coordinator, but also, um, you know, they they do have a good set of players over there. So this is one where you just have to wait and see if it's the right move or not. Um, it's always interesting when you get a coaching move in division, obviously going from the Saints to the Falcons. Uh, you know, he will have a little bit of intel on the Saints, you'd hope. Um, he's been there long enough. Um, but I do like the hire. I'm not as high on this one as I have been on the last few, but um, only time will tell. And then we get back to the Panthers with Giro Aviro. I hope I've pronounced that properly. Smithy's going to kill me. The Broncos defensive coordinator joins the Panthers. And um, I'm glad that Smithy moved about 45 to 50 minutes away from my house because if he was still in the suburb closer to me and yourself, Teed, we would have heard his squeals of delight from our front doors. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. Smithy was over the moon with this one. Um, you know, I tend to agree with him. You know, we saw how good that Broncos defense was last year. And I'll say it once again, it goes hand in hand. They had a good, um, you know, group of players, but it's also the way they coach. And you could tell they were coached extremely well. Um, and, you know, he, he's going to get his chance at the Panthers here. And that's you know, defensive coordinator and a head coach now that they've paired together. Um, you know, it's exciting time for the Panthers. Obviously, uh, everyone's just going to be focused on the draft. Smithy is going to be licking his lips, waiting on the draft, and he's probably going to be sitting there hoping that his team's going to trade up. But um, everything they've done from the end of the season to now uh, has been pretty good for them. So Smithy's got every right to be happy, and we all know that he is. They don't need to trade up when they're taking the QB one in the draft. Uh, Smith's man, Stetson Bennett. My goodness, it's going to be extraordinary. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to stop potting you, Smith. I promise. Uh, Joe Woods, the Browns offensive coordinator, expected to join the Saints. That's not finalized yet, but there you go. There's a little bit of news before it goes out. But speaking of Stetson Bennett, um, Teed, without having a pot at Smith, I mean, I don't know what the common person's like when they're pissed. I'm quite, I am the kind of person that likes to just stay in the area that I'm in and, and just, you know, chill out, relax, not aggressive at all. I think Stetson forgot which room was his in the little townhouse complex he was staying at and police were called and he was charged with public intoxication after reportedly knocking on every townhouse door, waiting for the empty one. Cause that had to be his, I mean, is there a more college quarterback getting pissed story than that one? Uh, yeah, Stetson Bennett, um, I think he's uh, getting a little high on his own supply after, you know, the college career that he's had. Um, you know, I, it kind of is a non-story. We've seen players pinned in the past for um, this kind of stuff. But the, the one thing that sticks out for me is the fact that he turned down um, an appearance at the Senior Bowl game to kind of focus on, um, you know, his draft pre- preparation and combine preparation and things like that. Uh, and then this comes out. It's not the greatest look for him. Um, certainly going to be regretting, um, you know, whatever he did in this situation here. But, um, you know, it really is a nothing story. 25-year-old having a bit of fun and you know, it didn't seem like he was harming anyone. So um, I've got no issue with it. And look, let's be honest, if you are drunk and locked out of somewhere, if if you know that every other room is taken, it's really not the worst strategy at all. I mean, what's the alternative? He just tries unlocking doors. That's how you get charged with trespassing. So I kind of feel for him a little bit there, if I'm being honest. All right, some more questions from Reddit, uh, mainly about the now and the moving forward before we get into the preview. Teed, where does Derek Carr play next year? And this is not a go at Smid, where honestly, again, if you had to put a bit of money on it or the fake dollar, or I'll go back and find this clip if you get it right. Where does Derek Carr play next year? Well, um, I did say the Jets maybe a month or two ago. I think I'll stick with the Jets. Uh, I think he he would be happy to play um, in New York, especially when they've got what you would assume is is a roster to compete. We all know that it is, I guess. We saw their quarterback play this year was was atrocious, and Derek Carr is an upgrade on whatever they had there. Um, I think I'll stick with the Jets. And just quickly on Derek Carr, if anyone watched the Pro Bowl or saw anything (laughs) on Twitter about his quick interview he had after one of the challenges was really good to to see. And, and, you know, seeing him make light of of his situation was pretty funny. Um, That's probably about as much as we'll touch on the Pro Bowl because, once again, uh, massive joke of a 
of an all-star oh, kind of performance. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I thought that was probably the best part of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, brilliant. And what, I don't know what it is, but whenever people tend to leave the Raiders, they just they seem relaxed. I mean, he looks 40 pounds lighter, and it all came off his shoulders. So I hope he does well. I think he's going to be at the Saints for what it's worth. Uh, Tate, I know we're in Australia, so we only get to see these maybe in the media, like TV shows, movies, or whatever. But are you for or against Super Bowl parties? Nah, uh, I mean, it, it's, it really depends on who you are. For me, it, it's not for me. Um, you know, I've been out to maybe a bar, I think, once for the Super Bowl, and I've had some mates over. Another time, Smithy was there, Smithy. So shout out, Smithy. His Panthers actually were playing in that one. But um, I, I just prefer to, to watch it by myself. I can, you know, enjoy it more, and you don't really have to worry about interacting with everyone as, as you know, antisocial as that sounds. Um, you know, you go out to a bar and you just hear – people that are watching the only game for the season throw their opinions around um, and it just kind of frustrates you. So I, I tend to enjoy um, watching it where no one can can trigger me, I guess, with, with silly things said about why they're wearing pads or anything like that. But um, Super Bowl parties for me are overrated. So what I love is I can just imagine um, – having someone that's like never seen the game, Mahomes misses his first throw and they turn around and go, oh, I can't throw for shit or something. And you're just like looking at going, no, no, he's the MVP. And it's just, I'm with you. I think overrated on the Reddit poll that I found 64% of people also said overrated. So I just, I don't understand why, because uh, we've got it here with the AFL grand final Aussie rules football as well. And it doesn't happen. It, not in my experience. So maybe it's because it's in a different country. I'm not sure. People, and Bill Burr does a really good spot on this on Conan, I think it was. Why do people watch the Super Bowl as casuals, talk during the game, and then watch the uh, the commercials with, like, pinpoint silence? It's so stupid. Watch the game. It's great. Oh, it really pisses me off. All right, but I'm with you. Overrated. Uh, which bottom place divisional team do you think is closest to a Super Bowl? So they are the Jets, the Browns, the Texans. The Broncos, the Commanders, the Bears, the Falcons, or the Cardinals? Who's closer to the glory, Teed? There's, a, there's a, a few that stick out, three that stick out for me. Um, I'll narrow it down and, and kind of, I guess, narrow that down to two because two of them have quarterbacks there. Uh, but the, the one for me, we spoke on them before, it's the Denver Broncos, um, and that is just because they obviously have a quarterback who's won the Super Bowl, They've now got a head coach who's also won the Super Bowl. Um, they're probably the only you know, one of those teams that has both of those, and we all think their roster is is pretty talented. We all thought that last year, and, and look what happened this year. So um, way too early to tell, but out of all of them, um, I do feel like the Broncos have the advantage there. I'm with you, Broncos as well. I had the Jets as kind of my, okay, they're in the picture. Who was the third for you? Yeah, the Jets for me, I thought, um, you know, the Browns with Sean Watson, we've seen him at his best. He can be a top five quarterback in the league. But um, from what we saw this um, or this past season, he he did nothing to to kind of, um, you know, put the doubts about his rusty play to bed. So uh, there'll be question marks over his head going into next year. Mm. And the final one was derived from a much longer post, but in summary, it was um, the the fans said that Phil Jackson goes under the radar because of the quality of players that he had here in Australia. We've had our coaches go under the radar because of how good their squads are. Um, Tade, do you think Andy Reid is still somehow an underrated coach in the eyes of NFL fans? Do you think his greatness of players, especially Mahomes, Kelsey, and the like overshadow him. How do you feel about Andy Reid? Because nine out of 10 years, I think it is at Kansas City, or eight out of nine, he's gone to the playoffs. He did it with Alex Smith. He's been there with Donovan McNabb. How do you feel about Andy Reid? Yeah, Andy Reid has been great. Um, and I think that's one thing that's probably not being talked about enough going into this Super Bowl, or at least I haven't seen it enough, is he um, you know, had such a successful career with the Philadelphia Eagles, and then he's gone on and done it again. With the Chiefs, he was a great coordinator before that. Um, he's just been great, you know, for as long as I can remember, certainly before that as well. Um, he's just been in the league for so long. You know, there's no wonder why he has been so successful and why he's in another Super Bowl this year. He, he kind of does go under the radar when you talk about great coaches. Um, Bill Belichick is usually the first one that comes to a lot of people people's mind, and, and fair enough, but 
Um, I don't think enough is said about Andy Reid. Uh, maybe that'll change if he can win the Super Bowl this week, but um, he certainly um, is a Hall of Fame coach, and I don't think that's a, a hot take. I think most people would agree. Um, and, I, I mean, you have to get – I don't I don't want to say lucky um, with Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is, is good with Andy uh, – because of Andy Reid, um, and Andy Reid is also good because of Patrick Mahomes, and that's not the only reason, but it certainly is – is handy, but they are a really nice pairing. And, um, you know, who knows what Patrick Mahomes is without Andy Reid. Um, we know what Andy Reid is without Patrick Mahomes, but uh, nevertheless, he's a great coach and he has been for a very long time. And um, hopefully, you know, one day he gets the recognition he deserves. Yeah, I completely agree. And it reminds me of the quote given to Sir Alex Ferguson when he left Manchester United. It was uh, a great coach with great players will create greatness. It's the ability of a coach to not have greatness and still produce goodness that defines the great from the not so great. And Sir Alex had that in spades. I think that summarizes Andy Reid in a fantastic way. He's done it with and without Mahomes. And I think he's just going to go down as one of the absolute goats once he finishes up, whenever that may be, hopefully in the not too uh, soon future. We normally go to Smid here for the ending, but guys, uh, it's been a genuine pleasure to be able to talk to you for the last sort of hour, hour and five minutes. Here, Ted, extraordinary as always. I think we've carried the show without Smith here. He's in severe danger, I think, of uh, getting on for the preview. He could have internet. He might not, but I think we'll have to have a discussion over whether we'll have him here, mate. It's been a fantastic chat for those out there listening. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Share with an NFL-loving friend regardless where you are in the world. We are going global. Let me tell you, the numbers lately, extraordinary. Make sure you leave a five-star rating. We'll give you a shout-out on the show if and when you do that. Let us know who you are and where you're from as well, which would be fantastic. And as the great man Smid would say, stay safe, everyone. (laughs) 